I'm TL, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week at Mass, we say those words, I believe, but our belief has implications on the way we live our life the rest of the week. We explore those implications together right here on Outside the Walls. Well, Merry Christmas to you and a Happy New Year as we are currently celebrating both. Uh, it's new beginnings as I have taken uh, all the, the, the template for the show uh, that resides on a computer and I have saved it in the brand new file structure labeled 2020. Man, it, it's, it feels like a future land to talk about the fact that we're in 2020 because I remember all of the, the shows about the future. 2001, a space odyssey, right? That We're way past that. I saw something the other day, uh, I think yesterday on Twitter that was a little bit frightening and disconcerting. And it, and it said 2050, right? 2050 is as far away as 1990. Now, just let that seek in for a little bit because we are just as close to 2050 as we are to 1990. Right, that is, uh, that's a little bit of a mind trip because 1990 was not all that long ago, and 2050 is supposed to be like forever away. Right, those are like Star Trek dates. Okay, maybe not quite. Uh, and <laughs> I hope that you're having a great New Year. I uh, I've been spending a little bit of time really contemplating the idea of the New Year's resolution. A lot of people spend uh, that that energy either really doubling down and finding one that's really challenging and embracing it or uh, mocking the whole idea, right? You've got the whole people. In fact, there's a, someone on Twitter who I follow who recently said, I'm not thinking about getting a tattoo this year, but it's different than when I didn't think about getting a tattoo last year because I'm not thinking about getting a different tattoo last year, right? So you've got that whole idea of, well, my resolution is I'm not going to make any resolutions. And I, I played that for a couple of years in college and it felt, you know, ironic as, as a college student might think that that would be, even though everyone uses that same one. Um, that, that was my uniqueness way back then. Uh, but I, this year I'm thinking more about the, the, the New Year's resolution from an interior perspective, not, not what is the external that I'm going to do, not even what is the external spiritual practice that I want to do, but how can I, in this new year, grow my interior life and, and strengthen that interior prayer life? And by, by virtue of doing that, by growing in my virtues— all of these other things will come about. You know, as, as I say this, Jesus said something along those lines, right? It, the, in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, uh, don't worry about all of these other ancillary things that are around. Don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear uh, or where you're going to go, but seek first the kingdom of God. And all of these other things will be added to you as well. If we focus so much on our externals, whether it be the material needs that we have or whether it even be the practices that we want to, uh, to grow in and, you know, be, uh, be stronger with, if that's what we're focused on, we can miss the things that are more important. But if we seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then not only will we get that, the kingdom of God, we'll, we'll attain that thing that we pray every week. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not only will we come to a place where we are participating in that kingdom, but the things that we have need of will also be taken care of. So maybe you, uh, you've tried a couple of times to lose weight, or maybe you've tried a few times uh, to get over that specific uh, temptation that you have. And, and that's been really the, the focus of your, uh, your New Year's resolution. I want to encourage you this year to do it a little differently. To spend some time, even, I know that we're technically we're past New Year's Day and you're supposed to have your New Year's resolution done, but you know what? That's just convention. I'm going to encourage you to make today uh, or tomorrow or the day after sometime here to give you enough time to discern it. Uh, make this your new beginning and say, okay, there, I had that resolution, that thing that I wanted to get done, that, uh, that practice I wanted to pick up. I had that already but I'm going to put that aside for just a moment. I'm going to spend some time in prayer, maybe even before the Blessed Sacrament, and say, what is that thing that God really wants for me to do this year? What's that that part of my relationship with him that really could use strength, could be strengthened by his graces? How am I going to, through his direction and his strength and his grace, how am I going to pursue and deepen and develop my interior life. We're going to explore that on today's show through the lens of the life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Uh, today, of course, is her feast day, and there have been a couple of different uh, different posts that I think kind of tie into this over on Catholic Exchange. One was uh, by our many-time guest, Constance Hull. She wrote specifically about the life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. We'll take a look at that. But I also want to talk with you about what I learned specifically in my life through examining the life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Uh, and, and it comes down to what I learned not only about my own life, but what I learned about my perception of God the Father, who God is and how he treats those he loves and what it means about his goodness and his providence. And I think this is an important conversation for us as we look towards the beginning of a new year, as we kind of set our frame of mind for how we're going to pursue and move forward in this year. And as we have this conversation, my darling bride is going to join us because she walked that road with me. Uh, so we're going to have this conversation right after this break. Join us over on social media. Be a part of the conversation over at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. I want to hear what you have to say. What is your New Year's resolution this year? How are you pursuing the interior life? We'll be right back right after this with much more. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implication of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. 
So we're talking today about epiphany, about uh, how God is revealed. That, of course, is what epiphany means. And I'm uh, scrolling through Twitter, and Mark's Gregorian rants, at uh, Cantare Amantis. I love his stuff. But he, he's, uh, he tweeted, he said to us, this is your annual reminder that Epiphany is the fourth most solemn feast in the liturgical year after Pentecost, Christmas, and Paschal Triduum. So there you have it. There's your marching orders. Uh, make sure, well, I guess it's Epiphany is going to be a holy day of obligation this year, as always, because it falls on a Sunday in, here in the United States. And, of course, Sunday, believe it or not, is a holy day of obligation. Uh, we do have a few of those holy days of opportunity as one of my favorite priests and probably numerous priests across the country say. Um, We do have a few of those that don't fall on Sundays, but every Sunday is also one of those days. So get yourself to Mass, celebrate the Epiphany, and while you're there and you're contemplating the various ways that Christ is revealed to us, both through history and salvation history and also in our lives today— uh, take the time to begin thinking, what what am I going to do this year to grow in my interior life? How am I going to strengthen that interior life? Uh, on Catholic Exchange, there was a, a post here recently from an archbishop uh, of Mexico City, I believe, uh, back in 1881 to 1956. And he said this, and, and I think that this is really important for us today. He said, there's nothing so important in the supernatural order as to have a deep, intense interior life. This is so because at times we run into the error of subordinating the interior life to the practice of virtues, as if our contact with God were only a means to perfect ourselves. But this is not the case. And then he goes on to say, uh, it doesn't mean to say that we approach God solely to acquire virtues. On the contrary, the active life and all the virtues we must practice with respect to our neighbor and ourselves, more than being the reward of our efforts, are the means whereby to achieve the contemplative life, the perfect interior life. In other words, the contemplative life is not a means or a ladder whereby to arrive at the active life. On the contrary, we work and we struggle and we sacrifice ourselves in order to love God, in order to have intimate and loving relationships with him, and true spiritual life consists in that relationship with God. Uh, there's more to that piece uh, in on Catholic Exchange back on the, the 1st of January 2020, uh, but that is actually an excerpt from a larger piece called Worshiping a Hidden God, Unlocking, Unlocking the Secrets of the Interior Life. And, and this is... I think so important for us to realize that all of these other things that we do are really kind of pointless if they don't lead us into a deeper relationship. You, you hear all the time uh, about families that they, um, they raise their kids in the practice of the faith and they give them all of the externals and they, uh, you know, there, there are comedians out there, uh, I, I think John Mulvaney is one of them, who talks extensively about his life growing up in the Catholic Church and what it was like to sit in the pew, and it never moved beyond the externals. So we can't stop there. Sure, 
we should focus on making ourselves better externally, of having stronger practices. But it can't stop there. We have to move beyond the, the external practice of virtue and into a relationship with the God who loves us. Now, uh, we're further into the show than we normally are by the time I introduce my guest, and that's because my guest today is an introvert who doesn't like to talk. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It's it's my wife. <laughs> Hi. Hi, Kristen. How are you today? I'm good. Wonderful. I'm holding my hot tea. And staying <laughs> warm, and I'm not slurping it into the microphone like I did a bit ago. <laughs> so, so I grew up Protestant and a specific kind of Protestant. I grew up in the United Methodism that in its history really focused on holiness, not only personal holiness, but social holiness. And it grew out of the holiness movement. It was part, uh, really kind of one of the things that launched the holiness movement out of which you get a whole bunch of other different denominations that spin off. Um, but in the midst of that, John Wesley, who was the founder of it, talked a lot about Christian perfection there's this idea of, of living a life uh, that, that flows into these externals and that, that faith is a very visible thing. And, of course, you who have listened for any length of time can still see uh, some, some shades of that in the way I practice my Catholicism. Um, every year on the first of the year, there was this consecration service that Methodists would typically do. And in that, there was this prayer that, that was part of that, uh, that liturgy that went something along the lines of, um, Lord, do whatever you want with me this year, right? Let me, it, uh, some of the lines I remember are, let me be employed for thee, let me be laid aside for thee, right? And, and it, it went on, there's this, almost this litany of humility, expounding on those words in Scripture Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And, and so this was kind of embedded in me. But in that was also this idea, uh, and this is probably more from the charismatic movement that I grew up in as well, uh, that if you do these things, then you will be blessed by God in a very specific way, right? So I grew up um, reading, one of the things we did as a family is we'd wake up every morning and we would read uh, five psalms and one proverb. That was kind of our, our daily ritual. And in the psalms, you have this very much, if you do right, you will be blessed. And that was read through the lens of um, my understanding of what God's blessing was, which was always prosperity right? It was always that things would go well for you and that you wouldn't be sick because you would, you know, the Holy Spirit wants to heal you and you wouldn't uh, experience hardship because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, and so you have all of these things. And then, uh, Kristen, you have lived with me for several years now. Yes. Because we're married. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and you have experienced that uh, we've gone through some difficult times. Mm -hmm. In fact, sitting right here on my desk is this wedding picture. And you got this wedding picture uh, of us, and you did a little bit of calligraphy uh, <laughs> next to it, right? You, right. And, and this, was, this was, I loved this so much because <laughs> 
she she got this double-sided frame. It opens like a book. It's black and silver. It's really classy. It's got the wedding picture on one side. And on the other side, she wrote out our vows, right? Those, the, the traditional ones, like we didn't write our own. It's the, I take the, I take thee to have and the hold from this day forward for better, for worse. And I'm like, oh, how sweet that is. <laughs> and we've been married for a, four or five years by, before I found out that maybe even longer. Was it really? Was it that long? Oh, yes, it was. Because I was looking at this going, that's so, it's so sweet and what a wonderful project. And it is you, sweet. And you wrote it. <laughs> you did that as a means of encouraging yourself through a very difficult time in our life. I am in this for good. I said so. <laughs> so. And what's kind of funny is I look at this now, and this is before I would really look in plan my art I just thought oh I can figure out this calligraphy on my own and not really look at anything to help me form my letters even though I'm not formally trained and so I look at it and it's it's kind of pokey looking (laughs) and and I look at that and I'm kind of like I wonder if that was I I was trying to be all you know artistic but um I don't know I think it maybe it came from the the hardness (laughs) that we were going through at the time not us but but us against what was around us at the time. Um, so that's kind of what I see when I look at it now. But it's still it's still true. <laughs> it's still what we are committed to. Absolutely. But you know the, <laughs> And I love that. Yeah. But you know, we, we went through this difficulty and and it was it was as difficult as it was. One, because it's always difficult to walk and carry a cross. But two, because we had certain expectations. Mm-hmm. We had expectations, like I said earlier, that if we serve God and follow God and do what he asks, then he's going to clear out of our path all of the difficulties that would otherwise trip us up. Right. Well, and it comes a lot from just even in the way that we talk as far as the word blessing and what does blessing mean. And, and you know, it's like we say it when something good happens. Oh, what a blessing. And, and so it's, it's so ingrained in us that blessing means good. Blessing means easy. Blessing means light. And that's hard to, to reconcile when things are not easy, when things are not light, when things are harder to sludge through. Mm-hmm. It's harder to, to reconcile those two things together. I remember as we came into this last difficult season, uh, looking at the fact that we'd gone through it before. We'd gone through uh, unemployment and uh, trying to pay bills and keep kids alive and keep roof over the, he- the, the everyone's heads. And looking at this going, okay, but wait, we've done this. We already learned to trust in God's provision. So, um, you know, we, we did our, our time. We, right. We we've figured, learned this lesson, right? Like, why, we're why, done. why are we, <laughs> we here again? And, and yet, in the midst of that, God wanted to reveal something about himself to us. You didn't think I was going to get to epiphany, but here we are, right? <laughs> this is this is what epiphany means. It is the, the revelation to us of who God is. Uh, and liturgically, we're going to celebrate it by looking at uh, the coming of the wise men, at the baptism of the Lord, and the wedding at Cana. Those are the, the three mysteries that typically get celebrated on epiphany, but Every day, we can have an encounter and, an, and a, a revelation 
of who God is as we develop our relationship with him through our interior life. And so in the midst of this saying, God, didn't we already learn this? He came to us in a very particular way uh, through the life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. And I'm going to talk to you about this uh, in the next segment and saying, okay, you're trusting in my provision and that's good, but there's something more that I want you to know about who I am, right? We're looking at it from the sense of, okay, now we're being punished again. We're experiencing hardship and difficulty again. And God, why don't you rescue us from this? And he says, I want you to know me. Well, and it's that process of really stripping down your preconceived notions about who God actually is by by really learning what does he want to teach you about who he is, not who do you think he was from what you've been taught mm-hmm. before. Yeah. So when we come back, we're going to break open the life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and see if maybe God wants to tell you something about who he is today on the show. We're talking with my darling wife and going through a little bit of our own personal story. And there's much more to come right after this break, so don't go anywhere. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, as always, the handle is at outside the walls. I would love to interact with you there. If you're on Twitter, come find me. And don't go anywhere because there's much more to come right after this break. You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, TL. Sitting here across from my beloved bride, uh, and we're having a conversation about the difficult times in our life and what we learned about who God is. Here we are in Epiphany, this feast where God reveals himself. And God comes to us and wants to reveal himself to us individually and personally, so that we might come to know him. Because as we mentioned earlier, the interior life, that relationship with God is so much more important than merely the externals. You can have all of the externals and still be missing the core of the faith. In fact, there are so many people who have been raised with the faith who have left it because they never got beyond the externals. Something just never clicked for them. And in fact, it's so important that it's right there in Scripture. Paul says, if I speak in the tongue of men and angels, if I deliver myself over to be burned, right? If I give all of my possessions away, all these externals, but have not love, I'm nothing. This relationship with love itself, God, who is love, was so important that all of the external acts amount to nothing if we don't have the interior relationship with God. A couple of books that have really, um, I think, helped shape that for me. Uh, One is by Jacques Philippe, Father Jacques Philippe. It's a book called Interior Freedom, uh, and it deals with this question of living out and surrendering to the will of God. Another book you may have heard of is... uh, called Abandonment to Divine Providence. 
That's a little bit thicker a book. That's a little older language and can be difficult to get through. But again, it's this idea that everything, even the suffering that we experience, everything is given to us as a gift from God. Even the difficulty comes to us as a blessing. And this is what Kristen and I had such a hard time coming to because, as, as you mentioned earlier, there's this idea that good good things are blessings, and therefore anything that's not a good thing is obviously from the devil, right? Right. <laughs> right. And so here, as we're going into this, uh, this experience of hardship a couple of years ago, uh, somehow I come across the life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. I don't even remember what I was looking up, but here it is in living color, staring me in the face. And, you know, sometimes when you read something and you really, you you understand that you're not just reading the words on the page, but there's something uh, that the Holy Spirit is infusing those words with that kind of strikes to the heart. And so here I am reading this life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and what, what do I see? She was raised uh, in a Protestant household. She married uh, and had, they were prosperous and they had lovely kids. And then all of a sudden, uh, the times changed. And the, uh, the coming of the War of 1812 changed the business model for her husband. And there were blockades and there were things that uh, interfered with his business. And to the point that he had to declare bankruptcy. That's not a fun thing, right? Uh, and so then they end up moving to Italy uh, to be with some business friends uh, just to survive. And that, you know, doesn't seem like a fun thing. Her husband was in failing health. And so they're, well, we'll go over to Italy so that you can recover. Well, great. While they're there, he dies of tuberculosis. And so now you have St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, who is a mother and widowed and having to raise kids, her children, with no income. So while she's there in Italy, she becomes Catholic. And that's where the story should turn around, right? Everything's going to get better, <laughs> right? Because now, now she's following God's will, so everything's going to just be hunky-dory. And such is not the case. Uh, there continues to be hardship. She starts a school, but then people find out that she's Catholic now. They're not really thrilled about that. And so they withdraw their kids from the school. And she goes through suffering and hardship and ultimately those lead her to a place where she founds this religious order. And it wasn't easy. And she, she suffered herself and passed away from tuberculosis as well. You know, it's interesting. It's like all those things, you know, we hear these stories and you say it one thing after another and it's like, okay, okay. You know, God's getting her through that. All right. But then you, you break it down and you think about what was each day mm -hmm. like when you have your children sitting in front of you and you don't know what you're going to feed them or, yeah. you know, those things that really, when you start thinking about the reality of these situations, it's not, it's not easy to, to get through. It's not just one of those testimony stories that has a happy ending. It's, it's real. And it's hard, and it's that day-to-day -day struggle that God still ended up using, but in the midst of it all, I'm sure it didn't seem like it. Well, you have this, this idea that 
maybe we're we're in a Paul Harvey kind of a mindset, right? That eventually we're going to know the rest of the story, and oh, oh, everything makes sense, and everything was wonderful, and and everything turned out great, and it it does, and God is good, and and does work things out for our good, so long as we understand what good means. Mm-hmm. So this is where I. I was reading this story of the life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, and I'm seeing all of the difficulty and hardship she went through. And what God says to me is, um, okay, you acknowledge and you understand that I'm good, which I did. I'm like, God, everything difficult could happen, and I'm not going to to waver on the fact that I know that you are good. Mm-hmm. Because I look at things in a, in a temporary uh, you know, every, everything that I look at is is in the framework of my my own experience, and I know that, or as the phrase goes, all will be well in the end, and if it's not well, it's not the end, right? I, I knew that things were going to turn out and that God was good, but my conception of what goodness looked like in the end, whenever that end came, was still skewed by this under this this thought that blessing equals happiness. And so I'm looking at the life of St. Elizabeth Ann Seton and saying, God, if, if you treat your saints this way, right, uh, that the, the husband failed in business, declared bankruptcy, and then died so that the wife could then go on to be a saint, um, perhaps I'm looking at this whole question of goodness in, a, in the wrong light. And so th- what that did is that brought me to a place of humility recognizing that God didn't have to take care of all of the things that I thought were my needs, right? God didn't have to keep me uh, in a house. I could very well have ended up homeless, and that wouldn't have changed the fact that God is good. And, you know, for me around this time um, was the time of the Syrian refugee crisis, and I remember hearing about them and hearing about different people of the faith and their stories that they were in the midst of this crisis and thinking, okay, God is good and God provides and he loves me, but he loves them just as much as me, if not more than me. And yet they are fleeing for their lives and from their homes and they don't have some of those basic provisions that I assume means God's taking care of me, that, that God taking care of me means I will have these things and, and looking at that and, and again, reconciling that God is good. God provides, but God loves them just as much as he loves me. So why do I think I'm so special? (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly the, the thought that I had as well as I'm looking at this. It's like, who do I think I am that, that God is going to, swoop down from heaven and take care of my every uh, perceived whim, perceived need when St. Elizabeth Ann Seton didn't receive that, when the Syrian refugees don't receive that, when people every day who are dedicated and dedicate their lives to God face difficulty and hardship. And Christ himself said to his apostles, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Now, notice that in that, in that promise that he has overcome the world, it did not mitigate or remove the fact that in this world you will have trouble. Mm-hmm. So those two things have to be, while they are connected, they're not connected in a, in a 
causal uh, relationship. Right. Right. That, yes, God has overcome the world, but that is, is something that we look forward to and hope and not something that just makes everything hunky-dory today. Right. So it's that changing of our understanding of what does that mean when we say God is good? How does that actually play out in our lives? And and what is he really talking about? Well, it must be my understanding that needs tweaking then. Right. And not that God is not faithful, because I know that he is. <laughs> you know, God, you need to you need to step up and do better because <laughs> right. because I'm not experiencing your goodness and, and he's they're kind of knocking on the door of our heart and saying, I want you to come experience my goodness, but you have to experience it on its own terms. Right. Right. And so the goodness of God comes to us and, and it waits for us and it waits for us to be ready. And it comes to us and it says, I have your eternal good in mind. And sometimes the way to your eternal good is through your momentary suffering. And it's not that suffering is the obstacle that we have to get uh, past. Rather, it is in many times the door through which we achieve uh, the sanctity that God wants to offer to us. And so as we're here at the beginning of the year and we're looking uh, to how our life should improve in this next year is what New Year's resolutions are, take the time in prayer to ask God, what about yourself do you want me to know this year? How do you want to reveal yourself to me this year? What place in our relationship in this interior life do you need me to grow so that I can more fully uh, live out this love relationship with God? Or even also to ask, where do I have a misunderstanding of who you are? Mm-hmm. Where am I wrong about you? <laughs> Which is a hard, that's a hard thing to ask. Mine was, sa- mine was safer. <laughs> that would be safe. It's 2020. <laughs> There's no time for safety. But, but it is true. I think you really have to, to trust that God is not going to thrust you out beyond where he's capable of protecting you. Right. He's going to accompany you through those difficult times. And what's really interesting is even in the midst of coming to that realization that God did not have to keep a roof over my head. God did not have to provide for us to have food on our table. He still did it. Yeah, he did. And so I had all of those things that I was coming to terms with letting go of. So even as we came to those hard lessons, and there was interior work going on. The externals, uh, he still provided. So trust God this year uh, to reveal something profound about himself to you to deepen your relationship with him. Come over to talk with me on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Talk to me about what you discern in your resolutions this year. Thanks again to my darling bride, Kristen, for joining us. She's going to be with us on our extra segment over on Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com. Click the Patreon link. We'll be right back right after this. You're listening to Outside the Walls.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. And today we've been talking about New Year's, New Year's resolutions, epiphany, and how God wants to reveal himself to us. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, whose feast day we celebrate today. Uh, and wrapping those all together, tying them up with a bow and having a conversation with my beloved bride, Kristen. Uh, if you missed any part of the show or you want to share it with your friends, have no fear. All of our episodes are archived over at OutsideTheWalls.com. And while you're there, up in the top right-hand corner of the page, you'll see a link that says, Support the Show, hyphen, Patreon. And you can join a community of people who help keep us on the air. Uh, for as little as $5 a month, they get all kinds of extras, including weekly extra segments with our guest. Uh, we have an extra segment today with my wife. Uh, we had a lot of fun. We give the, the Patreon segments are a little bit more relaxed uh, and and a little bit more personal. So I invite you to uh, to consider here as you start this new year, uh, becoming a supporter. Help keep us on the air and get some great conversation uh, to boot while you're at it. You can do that again by going to out, uh, outsidethewalls.com. Click the Patreon link up in the top right-hand corner of the page. Now, today, as we're talking about New Year's resolutions and developing the interior life in St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. And so there, that's going to be reflected in our readings today from Scripture and from church history. Our reading from Scripture today comes from the book of 1 John, chapter 2. If you consider that God is righteous, you also know that everyone who acts in righteousness is begotten by him. See what love the Father has bestowed on us, that we may be called the children of God. Yet so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed. We do know that when it is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope based on him makes himself pure, as he is pure. Everyone who commits sin commits lawlessness, for sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who remains in him sins. No one who sins has seen him. Or known him. That reading comes from First John, chapter two, and that's an intimidating passage of scripture, and it always has been. Uh, he starts off chapter two. That's the end of chapter two, and a lot of chapter three. He starts off chapter two saying, "My children, I am writing this to you so that you may not commit sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one." And so with that foundation laid, he goes on and, and talks about the rest of the things we just heard. And it's, it's always been so intimidating. I told you earlier that coming from my Protestant tradition, um, holiness was a, a big focus of the foundations of that denomination. And so there's even a, a homily called On Christian Perfection, this idea that uh, we as Christians are supposed to be without sin, perfect, without uh, without giving in to our, our normal temptations. Now, we as as Catholics, we look at that 
with a little bit of incredulity because we know that even nuns and priests and bishops go to confession, right? There's this, this thought that sin we will always have with us. And we need to have the humility to recognize that, yes, I am weak and I will, I will often tend towards sin. Uh, we should also have the confidence that God wants to deliver us from sin so that we're not continually going back to the same old sins, uh, that we are moving closer and closer in our interior life, that we share so close a communion with Jesus Christ that we become sharers, as Scripture puts it, sharers in the divine life. And as we are closer and closer uh, to God and, and have God living that divine life in us, no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, then we're going to see those things that have entrapped us for so long, those sins that we have returned to over and over again, we're going to see deliverance from those things. And we're going to experience what John is encouraging us to hear, that those of us who are born of God will be freed from that sin, no longer slaves to that sin, and now living a life of holiness and righteousness. And here on St. Elizabeth Ann Seton's Feast Day, our reading from church history comes from a conference to her spiritual daughters by St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. I will tell you what is my own great help. I once read or heard that an interior life means but the continuation of our Savior's life in us, that the great object of all his mysteries is to merit for us the grace of his interior life and communicate it to us, it being the end of his mission to lead us into the sweet land of promise, a life of constant union with himself. And what was the first rule of our dear Savior's life? You know it was to do his Father's will. Well then, the first end I propose in our daily work is to do the will of God. Secondly, to do it in the manner he wills. And thirdly, to do it because it is his will. I know what his will is by those who direct me, whatever they bid me do. If it is ever so small in itself, it is the will of God for me. Then do it in the manner he wills it not sowing an old thing as if it were new or a new thing as if it were old, not fretting because the oven is too hot or in a fuss because it is too cold. You understand, not flying and driving because you were hurried, not creeping like a snail because no one pushes you. Our dear Savior was never in extremes. The third object is to do his will because God wills it, that is, to be ready to quit at any moment and do anything else to which you may be called. You think it very hard to lead a life of such restraint unless you keep your eye of faith always open. Perseverance is a great grace. To go on gaining and advancing every day, we must be resolute and bear and suffer as our blessed forerunners did. Which of them gained heaven without a struggle? What are our real trials? By what name shall we call them? One cuts herself out a cross of pride. 
another one of costless discontent, another one of restless impatience or peevish fretfulness. But is the whole any better than children's play if looked at with the common eye of faith? Yet we know certainly that our God calls us to a holy life, that he gives us every grace, every abundant grace. And though we are so weak of ourselves, this grace is able to carry us through every obstacle and difficulty. But we lack courage to keep a continual watch over nature. And therefore, year after year, with our thousand graces, multiplied resolutions, and fair promises, we run around in a circle of misery and imperfections. After a long time in the service of God, we come nearly to the point from whence we set out, and perhaps with even less ardor for penance and mortification than, we be- than when we began our consecration. You are now in your first set out. Be above the vain fears of nature and efforts of your enemy. You are children of eternity. Your immortal crown awaits you, and the best of fathers waits there to reward your duty and love. You may indeed sow here in tears, but you may be sure there to reap in joy. That reading comes from A Conference to Her Spiritual Daughters by St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. And this is what our New Year's resolution should be about. This is it right here, for us to do the will of God, to do it in the manner that He wills, and to do it because it is He who wills it. And I know it seems nearly impossible to ever achieve that kind of holiness that St. Elizabeth Ann Seton has talked about here and that uh, John the Evangelist has talked about. It may seem like we are so far gone that we fall back into those same sins over and over again. We make New Year's resolutions and then we end up right back where we started. It may look like we'll never make it there. But remember, with the eyes of faith, everything changes. That God comes to meet us and accompany us on us on this journey and gives us graces and abundant graces. And it's his strength and his life in us that delivers us from our sin. It's not white-knuckling it or trying any harder or making a better resolution. It's in relying on Christ in those difficult moments and in those moments of temptation, relying on him and releasing ourselves into his care. That's where we find holiness. That's where we find sanctity, is by relying on the strength and the graces that God gives us. And may he give those to us abundantly in this new year. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show is brought to you by Brandy Carey and all those who support the show through Patreon. Your support would make a huge difference and help keep us on the air. Why don't you go over to OutsideTheWalls.com, click the Patreon link, and join their numbers today. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace throughout this new year.